What if your faith could become more than just a story? What if your faith could be as gentle as a dove and as wise as a serpent? What if your faith could become as bold as a lion? What if your faith could become lethal? My name is Blake Harris, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Michael Knight. And here on the Lethal Faith Podcast, we're here to give your faith some lethality. This is a good morning for me and Dr. Michael Knight. Uh, but we're back. Uh, we're going to continue on with the, uh, the 12 disciples and really what kind of happened to them and what what evidence we actually have that they existed. Uh, and we're really just going to pick, pick right up uh, with Bartholomew, which is someone we don't really talk about. Uh, he's he's kind of, I like to call him the hidden disciple. There are so many disciples are um, actually, excuse me, so many disciples that are actually mysterious still to this day. And again, you've got to remember, nobody was really writing about these 12 guys until after Jesus uh, rose from the dead and they claimed his resurrection. So if that's okay, Blake, let's get started with Bartholomew. Uh, His life is extremely difficult to pin down on a historical level. He's often referred to as Nathaniel, and it's widely believed that he brought the gospel to Armenia and then to India. And so how do we know this? Well, Eusebius, which was the church historian uh, around the 3rd century, is a tremendous resource. And St. Jerome both reported that Pantius, uh, uh, Pantianus found the gospel of Matthew. Now, this guy that I'm butchering his name right now actually um, was one of the main leaders of the Church of the Catechism of Alexandria. And um, he reports having seen the, uh, found the Gospel of Matthew in India. Now, Clement, which was one of his students, and Origen, which are all church early church fathers, uh, who, well, Origen was a student of, his, of him as well, uh, wrote about... Uh, these things also. In the 7th century, uh, another guy wrote about St. Bartholomew and said he went to India in a region called Happy. The Indian word for happy is uh, Kaya, which is um, where tradition tells us that St. Bartholomew was murdered in a field. There are other reports that he was martyred in Armenia and Parthia, other locations of India. In Armenia, uh, he was said to have been skinned alive. Uh, There are ancient books going back to the 5th century about the martyrdom of Bartholomew, and both of them tell us that he was martyred in India, so Blake is fairly certain that he was probably martyred in India. His relics are scattered out through the whole world. But then again, you have another legend or tradition that actually suggests that he went to Heropolis with St. Philip and suffered persecution there, that we read about in the Acts of Philip in the 4th century. Also, um, other books suggest that he experienced martyrdom there as well. The truth is, we just don't know. Now, what does that do for our faith when we can say that one of the 12 disciples, Bartholomew, we have very little, if any, 
um, archaeological evidence? Well, to me, for us to say that we don't have a, a lot of archaeological evidence it is not a huge ordeal for me um and that's because for thousands of years we passed down uh stories so to speak and that's how they told history and so history was passed down through oral tradition over and over and over and over again that's literally how we have the the book of genesis was through oral tradition and that's how all of societies told their history so for me that it's not a huge ordeal because i understand how those things come into place and how that plays into history and that's a good point i mean you have to kind of step back and uh, do what blake is saying but then say okay how many of the oral traditions that we have actually suggest he was martyred in india and the majority of the traditions all point towards India in some way. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, obviously, if we had, you know, 20 different uh, uh, stories and none of them uh, coincided together, then obviously I would begin to raise some doubts. But we have so many that say, okay, he was martyred in India. Okay, that's probably a good starting place, okay? So let's just start there. And then from there, we, we can find, uh, you know, what other other stories have said about him and say, okay, well, that means that he's, that this happened while he was there and so on and so forth. So obviously we have those things and sometimes we just have to connect the dots when it comes to history, you know? That's true. What we do know about Bartholomew is that his nickname was Nathaniel and that he was, his parents came from Cana of Galilee, like many of the other disciples. And we do know that the people, places, and things surrounding Bartholomew um, are real. Now, in my new book that came out this week, actually, the New Testament, Rediscovering Jesus, Lethal Faith, the New Testament, Volume 2, <clears throat> we talk about all of these things with pictures and in more details, but the things that are connected with Bartholomew, like the Apostle Paul, yeah. or like Galilee, or any of the other things. There's a tremendous amount of secondary um, scientific information available that can be trustworthy about really understanding that Bartholomew had to have been a real person because all of the things surrounding him were certainly real. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> going on to the second one, Simon the Canaanite. Now, if you think Bartholomew's hard, uh, try that one. Um, there was even a new church built to him in the 1880s. There's a grotto that said Simon lived there, and there's a tomb of St. Timon in St. Peter's Basilica, which is highly likely because what happened to many of these 12 disciples, a lot of people believe, a lot of experts, is that the early church dug them up. Emperors and popes dug them up and brought the, many of them to St. Peter's Basilica or put them into a build a church around a holy place in their honor. So while this description is extremely hard, Simon the Canaanite's own name lends us to even greater scrutiny. Was he from Canaan? Was he a zealot? Did he leave Jerusalem with Joseph of Arimathea and Travis to the British Isles? No historical document or tradition, with the exception of an 11th century, which means 10 B.C., suggests that he did. However, there's this guy named Richard Orzek, and he suggests in his travels that, that Bar, or, uh, Simon traveled with Joseph of Arimathea. And that's not impossible, Blake, and Lethal Faith family, 
because Joseph is said to have become wealthy by trading in tin. Mm, that's interesting. Through the ancient trade routes to Rome, which would have led through the British Isles during that period of time. One place that does lend itself to the life of Simon is the ancient kingdom of Georgia, which is presently known as the Republic of Abakazii. Abakazia. <laughs> Some of these words, I'm telling you. Um, and it's found in the Orthodox Church of St. Simon the Canaanite. Um, Richard believes that this is the place where the disciples of Simon first buried his body. And the fact that even with the bones of St. Peter that have been found, and there's a lot of research we're going to get into in a little bit about that, that archaeologists and science scientists and paleoanthropologists uh, uh, can tell if a body has been buried and then dug up and reburied just simply by the dirt. I know. That, that's some cool stuff, you know. That's crazy. Uh, I can't even dig in my yard and then <laughs> next year find out <laughs> if I've dug there. <clears throat> well, like I said, they think that they have found a, uh, they say they found a grotto that he was hiding from the emperor's legionnaires. Uh, but we know that he was martyred because all of the tradition says that he was. And that's, we believe that. Uh, he was moved to St. Peter's Basilica under the chapel of St. Joseph where the main altar is built. And that is highly likely because that is protocol for the early church and how they went about uh, doing the things they did. Relics are scattered everywhere. But out of the 12, Blake, he is the most obscure. He's mentioned in the New Testament as only being part of the original 12. And there's extremely little written about him uh, during the first 300 years of Christianity. There, his legends about how he died, some say Persia, some say Samaria, some say Britain, some say he was sawed in half, and the sixth um, uh, sawed in half. Uh, some say he died of old age in Edessa. We just don't know. But Matthew's fascinating. Tell us about Matthew, Blake. Yeah, it says there's less known about Matthew than any other gospel writer. Eusebius uh, reports that Matthew first preached the gospel in Palestine. Uh, St. Jerome says he preached in Judea as uh, Socrates. The church historian reports that he went to Ethiopia. Uh, and Hippolytus. Yeah, Hippolytus on the 12 sends him to... Uh, Hyres, uh, Parthia, uh, as as the Acts of Andrew, uh, has him in Meridona. Uh, in addition, there are other traditions that place him preaching in Persia and Macedonia. Uh, so lots of traditions saying he's uh, kind of everywhere. Uh, in the early part of the second century, uh, Clementine of Alexandria wrote that Matthew remained in Jerusalem in Judea for 15 years. Uh, Papias of Heropolis writes that during the time of persecution, Matthew wrote his gospel. Uh, Eusebius stated that Matthew wrote his gospel. Uh, early church fathers, such as St. Jerome, said he had been had seen early copies of the book of Matthew written in Hebrew. In addition, Bishop uh, Demetrius of Alexandria said that he had seen a copy of the Gospel of Matthew. <clears throat> so, oh, we do have many reports of his death, though, as a martyr. 
the problem is where. So we don't really know where he was kind of martyred at. Some traditions say, suggest Persia or Parthia. Uh, today, traditions suggest that his tomb may be at the Cathedral Church of Matthew. Um, the apostle in Salerno, Italy, uh, the church was built in 1081 uh, and the crypt dedicated in July 1084 by Pope Gregory. Uh, so they kind of think that he was buried there under a cathedral church. There's little evidence of the life of St. Matthew. Uh, there is an abundance of evidence of the places, people, and things he wrote about were real, uh, which is really how we kind of tie him to everything. Uh, so what if the man who wrote about these things were as real as the evidence and histories he recorded, which is what we actually believe. He was real and he was there. Um, so we never may really find historical proof, of course, um, of the actual existence of Matthew, but we can know that early Christian scholars believe that he was a real person uh, recording real events in the first century. That's right. And then when you have someone like Clement of Alexandria that was a student of the uh, Greek philosopher turned theologian um, that's writing in 150 to 215 A.D. And then you have Papias from Heropolis writing between 100 and 140 A.D. And then you have Eusebius, which is one of the most um, accurate church historians writing at 260 to 339 A.D. And then you have St. Jerome right after him, around 347 writing. Uh, the very fact that early church fathers report his book and report his life and his coming and going really adds validity to whether he was a real person or not. But then you get to someone like James the Lesser, James the son of Alphaeus. Well, this is a real big problem. Now, we have 12th century frescoes of him. We have places in Rome where he's considered to have his crypt. But there's very little known about James, the son of Alphaeus. There were six people, Blake, in the New Testament called James, which only adds to the confusion. Yeah, and you want to talk about confusing. You new Christian, you start reading about all these James. James yeah, yeah, I was super right. confused as a teenager. Right, and there are even two Jameses recorded as apostle, James the Great and James the Less. So there were two 12 disciples named James, James the Greater and James the Less. And he's mentioned within, with certainty only as being connected the son of Alphaeus. Now, there's traditions that he preached in Spain uh, and was buried in a temple there. It was crucified in Persia. Um, even by the 9th century, there are people talking about his martyrdom in Egypt. There's a lot of controversial about James, the son of Alphaeus. We have little or no information about his life. But what we do know, according to the Gospels, is that he was one of the 12 and he was consistently in the Scriptures placed in the ninth place. And... When they mention the 12, they are mentioned in an order of um, importance. But then you've got Judas Iscariot. Now, a lot of people are infamous in this world, but this guy probably came from southern Palestine. Uh, he probably wasn't from Galilee. Uh, we know that in the scriptures he portrayed Jesus, that he was buried in the potter's field, uh, a place that's even known today. Uh, in the Valley of Henan. Uh, it was a source originally for pottery factories who made clay. And the word Alkadama, 
means field of blood, which is where this is at, the Valley of Hinnon. And history tells us that the priests purchased this property for the burial for strangers and criminals. So we know it was a burial ground in the first century. But the Valley of Hinnom, also referred to as Guiana or hell, was also associated with pure evil and, and the disrespects for the laws of God. The Valley of Hinnom was actually a garbage dump. It was a place where you would burn trash. And in the first temple period... It was a location where apostate Jewish people would sacrifice their children to the god Molech. I write about Molech in Lethal Faith, Volume 1, Old Testament. So this potter's field lies within a section of the valley that we know as hell. We know that Judas wrote no books, even though there's a Gnostic gospel attributed to him. Uh, It's a 16-year-old book. They said, Blake, when this book came out, it's going to be the crisis of faith, that the church is going to be destroyed because the book says that that Judas was made to betray him and that Jesus made him uh, made him to betray him. Um, we know that through radiocarbon dating that the book dates to the 4th century, uh, but we know that that book was never, ever, 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 thought for a moment to be canonized as part of the Holy Scriptures. Yeah, I remember kind of, of course, made a big resurgence uh, when the Da Vinci Code came out, the movie, and I remember thinking, this is a complete garbage. Like, none of it made any sense, and if you did any sort of research, you could easily discredit that book because uh, huh. the, the the documents on it, you know, how we how we uh, verified the validity of a document and things like that. It was just riddled with holes. And so uh, none of it made any sense, and they were kind of piecing together what the what that book actually even said. Uh, and they were f- just filling in pieces. And uh, I just I remember as a teenager uh, reading uh, actually some of the Da Vinci Code and then going back and trying to do some research, and I remember thinking, this makes no sense whatsoever. Dan Brown. <laughs> Is a great storyteller. Yeah, he he's is. a horrible historian, and he even things that are easily uh, like who controlled capital punishment during the witch trials. Yeah, it wasn't the church. No, you know, uh, crazy things. Uh, when it comes back to Judas, he seemingly was ignored by the Christian church, and he is silent throughout Christian history. It's almost as if the church said, "We'll never mention your name again." Yeah, I mean, uh, he. He turned over our Savior. You know, I, I don't think the early church would have taken that lightly by any means. Obviously, he's an important part uh, because he ultimately helped fulfill the scriptures. Um, and so, but I can see the early church because at times the early church was uh, kind of ruthless in some of the, <laughs> the way they did some things, you know. Um, but I can see the early church just completely writing them off, say, we won't even speak his name. So. There were certain, and Blake uses the word ruthless, and I get that, because when you see how the early church participated in graffiti yeah. on public property, I, I can see a little bit of that. But the truth is that these early church people um, had levels of accountability that the, new, the church today knows nothing about. Yeah. And if you practice it, you'd empty out half your church. And that's just the truth. Yeah, you're exactly right. But when it comes to Thaddeus, uh, the other disciple, he's referred to with three different names. Thaddeus in Matthew 10 and 3. Labius in Matthew 10 and 3. Judas, son of James, or Judas. 
is also his name. And there's one place in Scripture where his words are recorded, John 14, 19 through 22. But besides that, little is known about Thaddeus. Now, we live in America and in Europe and Canada and those places. We live in what's called the Western Church. But there's an Eastern Church that largely gets ignored. Yeah. You know, that actually was greatly involved in tradition. Some of the best theologians came out of the Eastern Church. Some of the best understanding of doctrines come out of the Eastern Church. And the Eastern Church actually gives us quite a bit of information about Thaddeus. Eusebius, the church historian, speaks with him and connects him to Edessa. Um, the Acts of Thaddeus tells us that he died in Syria. Hippolytus on the 12 tells us that he preached through the area of Mesopotamia, uh, that which could have been during the first century um, anywhere between Saudi Arabia, uh, Iran, Iraq, Egypt, Jordan, uh, and that he was buried uh, there. The most consistent and probable tradition of Thaddeus uh, is that he probably went to Armenia. Um, in AD 600, a book tells us he's buried in the city there. Uh, and they even have a feast day. Um, the, and he's got a monastery dedicated to him. Um, that church today is in the modern country of Iran, and there's several places that I'd like to visit, but you can't. He's also purported... Um, uh, one tradition says that he was killed by being clubbed to death, while others suggest he was attacked by an axe. Uh, you see him in a lot of different places. There's an ossuary, which is a bone box where you uh, buried people. It was discovered with the inscription Judas Thaddeus uh, in Jezreel Valley um, with other pieces of ossuaries. This site was dated by pottery and lamps to the early 2nd century, and it is widely believed that this is the brother of Jesus who wrote the book of Jude. Other hotly debated, um, others hotly, of course, debate this uh, uh, conclusion. But that's the same with the ossuary of Caiaphas. Oh yeah. People don't want. There's a group of scientists and a group of people, and I am not a conspiracy theorist, but it is evident that they don't want evidence about Jesus being a real person, or or Thaddeus or the twelve. Being uh, being found, I read a book preparing to speak in the Ohio camp meeting on Babylon, mm -hmm. and I got to the end of the book, Blake, and the book on Babylon, which had to be written by a Persian somewhere, and the, the author was not noted, um, had great history about Persia. Things I didn't know, like their favorite meal was stew, their favorite drink was beer, their favorite season was garlic and onions. Mm -hmm. Things about That's Babylonians I never knew. But at the end of the book, it said. The Bible is wrong about Babylon. You cannot trust the Bible. The Bible has been proven cons consistently to be um, a non-historical document, which is the biggest bull malarkey oh, yeah. I've ever heard in my life. That is absolutely crazy. That's a, that's a bold assertion for them to say, you know, in that book. Um, we we kind of uh, lead right into the Matthias here. Uh, the Apostle Matthias replaced Judas uh, Iscariot. Uh, Eusebius refers to him as uh, Ptolemia uh, and Clement of Alexandria and Necroprius uh, in histories uh, say that he preached the gospel in Judea. The Acts of Andrew and Matthias said uh, he went to uh, Ethiopia, a city of cannibals. Um, 
let's see here. In, You're going to have to have some faith to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, why right. are you fellas looking at me like that? Oh, man. Then uh, 326 A.D., Helena, the mother of Constantine, had his relics brought to the church. Uh, big at, deal. Yeah, that's right. It is a big deal. In modern day, uh, took it to the church uh, in Abbey and Tyrir, uh, it, which is modern day Germany. In 1127, there was a church called uh, St. Matthias uh, Abbey, which is thought to be the o- oldest Christian church in Germany. The Abbey, I think I'm pronouncing that right, uh, was originally named uh, after St. Uh, Eucharist, the first bishop of Tyre. Uh, on January 13, 1148, it was dedicated to St. Matthias. Um, the relics of St. Matthias were rediscovered in 1127 during demolition work on a previous church. Now, uh, that's all of the 12, but we're going to talk about the Apostle Paul real quick. Uh there is so much evidence, um, and Lethal Faith Volume 2 is full of it, New Testament about the Apostle Paul. But we have the remains of, um, of, of people like St. Luke, which were not, who was not one of the disciples. Uh, in Ephesus, we actually have um, um, uh, the Bema seat uh, where Paul stood in front of in Corinth. We have people that he converted to Christianity's name etched in uh, inscriptions. And there's more than 162 archaeological sites that correlates Acts 13 through 28 and the life of the Apostle Paul. So we have 162 archaeological sites that correlate to the Apostle Paul just between Acts 13 and 28. Forget Romans, Ephesians, Galatia, yeah. uh, Philipp- <laughs> Philippians. And the probability of the Apostle Paul as a mythical person is less than three chances in 10,000 billion, 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 billion. That's 2.9 times 10 to the 41th power. The Apostle Paul was confirmed in, in, the, um, in lethal faith many times through people, places, and things. But again, no one really cared a lot about the 12 until after Jesus claimed to be resurrected. But they did the Apostle Paul. Yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right. The Apostle Paul is conf- uh, obviously confirmed through uh, multiple places, uh, people, and things. Um, so, his writings suggest yeah. uh, Blake that slavery was a major part of the Roman Empire. Um, an inscription from Ephos uh, uh, was found dated to 44 to 45 A.D that specifically talks about um, uh, slavery. Uh, he mentions his closeness to Luke, the physician, in Acts 28. We know they spent three years in Ephesus, uh, and that the tomb of Luke is found in Ephesus. As a matter of fact, in 1865, J.T. Wood, the first archaeologist to work the ruins of Ephesus, found it. One of the first things he found in the city of Ephesus was the tomb of St. Luke. And when you visit Ephesus, and I've been there uh, at least twice, you have to be careful because a lot of times they won't show you the tomb of St. Luke. Really? Your Muslim tour guides. Yeah. You have to, they'll say, oh, it's up there somewhere. And then as I begin to really research it, I found that it's, um, and it may not, it may just not be part of the tour that they usually do, but 
if you're a Christian traveling from the western side of the world or a Christian traveling from the eastern side of the world and you're in Ephesus, you're going to want to see the tomb of St. Luke. Yeah. It was actually uh, quite a, uh, an elaborate, nice tomb when it was built. And then according to Eusebius, the Apostle Paul was beheaded in Rome under the rule of Nero around A.D. 65 to 68. Um, and uh, there's all kinds of archaeological evidence about that. There's little doubt about Paul's role in the Society of Rome and his writings and in Philippians and Timothy, um, church fathers like Clement and Tertullian, all mentioned him. But here's what we do know. While there is a lot of discrepancy about the 12, there's not a lot of discrepancy about the people, the places, and the things they visited. You're absolutely right, and and I, for me, you know, like I said, I, we I talked a little bit about oral traditions, but if I can take these people and tie them to real places and things, um, and even date when they actually lived, for me, that's sufficient. Like I said, I sometimes you have to dig through history, so to speak, and kind of piece things together. Um, so it's not that we can look at it and say, okay, I have every single piece I need, but I can pull from over here and say, okay, well, this connects to here. And so you kind of play and connect the dots as you may, uh, sometimes when it comes to these things. Um, but for me, like I said, that's enough for me. Uh, I, you know, I, I know you're Downton Thomas over there. Um, but for me that that's definitely sufficient enough. And, and for most people, right? Uh, I think that is sufficient evidence also. Um, and of course, you know, most of us who, who work in the uh, marketplace, so to speak, <clears throat> whenever I t have conversations with people about, you know, archaeological evidence or, you know, they don't believe because of whatever, uh, you know, I, I begin to ask them a, a series of questions, you know, you know, how, what are their tests for, for proof, you know? Uh, and, and that usually backs people up real fast because they really don't have any tests for proof. They just kind of know what they've heard throughout the years through whoever. And so uh, I challenge people out there all the time, if you have questions or doubts, that's fine. But what are your tests for proof? How do you, how do you prove something? It and so uh, I always bring that up to people, and I say, give me your test for proof, and then then we can actually have a real conversation besides you just throwing out your own opinions and what you've heard. And so uh, I challenge you to start from there. And so with that, uh, I think we are going to end this one. And, guys, thanks for listening as always. Come back next week. We'll have another one ready for you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast today. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and as always, keep it lethal.